Uh, my name is Brian. I'm one of the pastors here, and I have the opportunity today to kind of uh, walk us through a look back at all the things that we did in 2017 and all the things that we learned in, in 2017. And if this is your first time and none of this sounds familiar, here, here's, what you, here's what you need to know about Fusion City Church. We're, man, we are some real people. We don't, we don't, we try as much as we can not to skirt around our, our flaws and the things that we get wrong. I'm pretty open about the things that I get wrong and all of my shortcomings. They are many. My wife's not in here to amen for that. But um, if she were, she'd tell you. I'm certainly a flawed individual. All, all of your pastors are. And we just believe that all of us working together uh, to, to figure out this, this Jesus following thing. That we can do that better together than we can individually. And so we get together here on the weekends and we talk about a lot of that stuff. And we talk about uh, trying to, to figure out the ways that God would have us to live that are different than the ways that we're currently living. As a matter of fact, that was our theme. Every year we have a theme. We, we start the year with this, this idea. If we could see one thing happen in our church this year, what would, what would that be? And so our theme for 2017, how many of you remember it? It's, how many of you remember what the theme was or is for 2017? It was, that's right, it's right there. We, we let you cheat. See, see we're, we're all flawed, so we don't make people know the answers. Like, we just give them to you. And movement, right? We said at the beginning of 2017 that for each and every one of us, there is a place where we are. There's, there's a way that we live, there's a way that we think, there's a way that we respond to the world, there's a way that we treat people, there's a way that we treat our family, there's a way that we think about God. There are all of these things that make us us. And here we are. But for every one of us, regardless of whether we've been following Jesus for a minute or we've been following Jesus for our entire life of 20 or 30 or 40 or 50 or 60 or 70 years, because we got some old people here. And they love Jesus, and we're glad they're here. Whether you've been following Jesus all your life or whether you've only been a believer for just a few days, there is a place where you are, and there is a place that God would have you to be. There's a better version of you inside of you, regardless of how long you've known Christ. And in order for us to get from where we are to where God would have us to be, we have to be willing to move. And we said that the... the that the three-part process or the three parts that all of us need to improve in constantly. It's the mission statement of our church. It's the vision statement of our church. It is who our church is. And we believe that if you're going to be a completely devoted follower of Christ, that three things have to happen. you got to love God. you got to love people. And you got to serve the world. And if you can love God more completely, then you got to move. In order for you to love people more completely, because come on, they're people. They're flawed just like you. Sometimes it's hard, it's hard to love them. Jesus loves them and we're trying, right? Like it's hard to love them sometimes. We, we, we got to love people better. And if we're going to be fully devoted followers of Christ, we have to be willing to serve more completely and more effectively than we are right now. So we said that, that in order for us to love God more, it starts with us knowing more about who he is, about his nature. And all the things that, that, that make up this, this desire in us to follow God, that there's, there's a way that we should follow God. There are things that we know we should do. You guys remember this message? The want the should? You guys remember that? Came with that clever hashtag? This, this, is what, this is what we learned together way back in January of last year. We said that there are, there are a lot of things that all of us know that we should do 
I know that I should read my Bible more, and I know that I should go to church more consistently, and I know that I should pray more, and I know that I should, and I know that I should, and I know that I should. And here's what we said. We said that we give ourselves an out. As long as we know that we should, we don't feel any responsibility to actually have to. How many of you know that you should eat better? How many of you eat better because you know that you should eat better? Yeah, that's about, about, about 4%, I think, if I'm, if I'm doing some quick math, right? As long as I know that I should, I don't really feel like I have to. So in order for us to move, in order for us to love God more completely, we got to want the should. You got to do the should. It's not just knowing that you should. You got to want to do the things that you know. And then we said that, that if, we, if we're going to love people better, that, that there's, a, there's a phrase that we have to adopt, right? In order for us to believe the best about people so that we can love people better, we said that there's a phrase that we got we to start applying to every situation, every, every offense and every affront that we feel like has come our way. There's something that we have to adopt. And this was it. You ready? You remember? Do you remember what it was? I didn't mean it. You remember? You remember when we learned that together? We looked at it in Scripture and we saw that how Jesus would look at people and he knew their heart. And he would say, ah, yeah, I know, but they didn't mean it. Yeah, but Brian, they called my mama a name. Yeah, they didn't mean it. I remember, you remember that in order for us to love people better, we had to adopt this idea that, that nothing done to you, even if it seemed like it was on purpose, the way that we forgive, like Jesus forgave us, is to look and say, yeah, but, but I see the best in them. And we, got, we can learn to see the best in people the same way that Jesus sees the best in us. So that was our movement series last year. We talked about that. And we talked about serving the world. That, 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 that saved people serve people. That in response to the gratefulness that we have for the gift given to us through Jesus our Savior. That that, that should inspire us then to serve a world. So that in seeing our service to them want to know the same God that we follow. That, that saved people will always serve People. And we talked about opportunities that we can do that both inside the church and out. And, and by the way, just quick uh, commercial break. Um, if you don't remember any of this, uh, either because you weren't here or because your memory is like mine, like I, I had to go back and look at all my notes from these messages. Or just please, please, please don't think like I had all this like, oh, yeah, I remember. I don't even, I don't even remember all of my messages from the last year. There were like 50 of them. There, there's a lot. They're all available on our website under the podcast. You can go back and listen to all these messages if you're like, oh, that sounds, like, that sounds pretty cool. I wish I'd have been here for that. Like you can go listen to that on the Fusion City Church podcast. But we talked, we started our year with this idea that in 2017, all of us, we, we, we want to love God more. We want to love people more. And we want to serve the world better. And in order for us to do that, we have to allow God to take us from where we are and in our thoughts and our beliefs and all the things that we feel and believe and be willing to let God move us into the version of us that he's trying to create that looks a whole lot more like his son. So that was the first series of the year. All right, I gotta, there are 11 of these. We got to get through them pretty quickly, okay. Uh, I, it's, it's tempting for me to want to re-preach all of them because looking back through the notes, it's like, oh, man, that was some good stuff. We should probably learn that again. But in, in the second series of the year, we, we, we tackled a, a whole book of the Bible. And we learned about the story of Jonah in our series called Castaway. And we learned a few um, a few important facts from the book of Jonah. We learn that if you want to run from God, there will always be a boat willing to take you where you want to go. 
That if you're ready to run, that our enemy Satan will always provide a way for you to be able to run. He wants nothing more than for you to run. So he's going to put things in your path to help you get away from the things that God would call you to. We learned that salvation belongs to the Lord, that it is he alone who saves and that he saves according to the way that he wants to save. Do you guys remember Jonah's sermon? Do you remember his sermon that he preached in Nineveh? He didn't want to go to Nineveh. God made him go to Nineveh, and then he went to Nineveh anyway because God put him in the belly of a fish to get his attention. You guys remember that? Remember the story? And then he gets there, and he still doesn't want to be there. He doesn't like these people. He hates them. He's got tremendous hate in his heart towards these people. So he preaches a half-hearted, eight words in Hebrew sermon, and God saves the entire nation, and Jonah gets mad. Y'all remember that? Remember how he got mad that God saved? And we looked at it and we said, yeah, but, but salvation belongs to God. We don't, get, we don't get to pick who God saves. We just get to be part of being his mouthpiece because it's, it's salvation comes through hearing. Remember that? We talked about that in the Jonah series. And then we learned that getting angry with God acts, it has of no benefit to us. God asked Jonah at the end of the book, he says, do, do you do well to be angry with me? Does it work out well for you to be angry with me at the things that I choose to do and who I choose to save? We learned that in the, in the Castaway series last year, that, that God is going to do the saving and we get the opportunity to participate with him in that. And we, I don't know about you, but something that was so, so clear in that series was how much like Jonah I can be. And then in order for us to move from where we are to where God wants us to be, I had to stop identifying with the heroes of Scripture and start identifying a little more with the villains because I'm way more like the Pharisees and Jonah than I am like Jesus in a lot of ways. And if I'm going to be powerfully used by God, if I'm going to move from where, he, where I am to where he wants me to be, I have to start identifying the, the things in my life that keep me from moving in the same ways that Jonah was reluctant to move. Then we move to this, this really fun topic that everybody loves. This is like everybody's favorite series of the year when we talk about money at church. And we did this series called Balanced, right? And we talked about the, uh, the, the slavery's new look. Um, that's, that was the politically correct uh, title that we chose for that message. The actual title for that message was Dead is Dumb. Uh, do you guys remember that? How debt enslaves us. And the, and the only, if you really want to be a slave to somebody, go get yourself into a bunch of debt. Because then you get to work to pay Visa instead of working to pay yourself. We talked about, um, about figuring out where our money goes because if you don't tell money where to go, it just goes. You guys remember that? We talked about budgeting. Pastor Quentin did a great job teaching us how to have a plan for where your money goes so that you can tell it where to go instead of wondering where it went. Right? I won't make you raise your hands to figure out. Like, I don't know. Like, it's the end of 2017. It's like I made however many thousands of dollars in 2017 and I got nothing to show for it because I don't know where my money went. Right? We talked about the, the power and the, the power and the positivity of, of having the budget. And it's not, a, it's not a bad word. It's a good word. It's a good thing that it actually gives us freedom to spend and freedom to buy the things we want within our means so that we don't end up a slave to people like Visa or MasterCard. And then uh, Pastor Tom Bartlett came at the end of that series and he talked to us about the power of generosity. And we learned that not only has God called us to be a generous people, generous with our time, generous with our money, generous with our abilities. Like we, we should be generous in every aspect of our life because generosity unlocks something in you that nothing else can unlock. 
that there is a part of your soul that is yet untouched until, untouched until you be, decide to become a generous person, both with your time, with your talents, and with your treasures. And generosity unlocks things in us that nothing else can unlock. And if you're not a generous person, if you don't give anything away, you're missing out on one of the greatest blessings in your life. And that whole catchphrase, cliche thing that it's better to give than receive, it's not just, there's a reason that cliches become cliches because oftentimes they're true. And that's one that is so true. Generosity unlocks something in us that nothing else can unlock. From there, we moved into our Easter series and we talked about kind of the, some of the backwards teachings of Jesus, some of the things that just don't make any sense to us because they, it, it looks like it should be one way, but it seems to be something completely different. We, 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 uh, we learned how Jesus talked about how we should love our enemies and do good to those that persecute us. We talked about the, the grace and truth paradox, how Jesus came from the Father. The Gospel of John tells us that he came from the Father full of grace and full of truth. And we learned that that's a, those are two very difficult things to put together because truth tells us that we're a sinner, that we're bad, that we're wrong, that we make mistakes. And at the same time, in this incredible truth that is the person of Jesus, he's also full of grace that says they didn't mean it. Now, that there's, there's forgiveness in Jesus, that he's full of grace and truth. And that when those, where those two things combine, that Jesus, he wasn't half of each, he was full of both. That in, that in every situation, Jesus is fully truth, showing us the ways that we fall short and we mess up and we make mistakes, yet at the same time, full of grace and extending mercy to the ways that we mess up and the things that we get wrong. And that we, we never want to be Guilty of, of watering down truth so that we don't feel bad about ourselves. Because when you water down truth and you try to rationalize, well, you know, I, yeah, I know that what the Bible says, but and I kind of, when we dumb down truth, we miss out on the overwhelming power of grace. But that when we fully embrace the ugly nastiness of our own sin, that, that in our complete and utter depravity, that we're able to experience the full overwhelming sense of Jesus' grace. That the more we embrace truth, the more grace we feel. We talked about that in the Paradox series. We talked about how in order for us to truly live, we have to die. And Paul said that, that I count my life as nothing that now I live as Christ. That to die is to gain, to die is to live. And that the way for us to truly live is to die to ourselves and follow Christ completely. And none of that makes any sense. How can Jesus be full of truth and full of grace? I don't know, but he is because he's Jesus. <laughs> and how, how do I truly live by, by dying to myself? And how do I love the people that hate me? How, how do all those things make sense? Well, they, they only make sense when we're living our lives in response to the gospel. We moved from paradox into a, a family series. We just called it Family Talk. And we talked all about the family. We talked about, about mom's role in the family and all the things that mothers bring to our family. And all of us celebrated moms on Mother's Day and talked about that. We talked about the difference between a Christian family and a Christ-centered home. That, that, that being Christian, it means a lot of different things to a lot of people. But a Christ-centered home is one that puts Christ at the very center of everything and then makes that the origin from how we live our lives. And every decision that we make, both as individuals and as a family, is filtered through what, what would Jesus have me to do in this situation? That there's a difference between just being Christian and being Christ-centered. We learned that. We learned that in order for us to have well-disciplined children, parents, remember this? 
In order for us to have well-disciplined children, we have to be well-disciplined parents. That there's a way to parent your children that you have to be consistent. And we talked about the power of that. And we looked through the lens of Scripture and all that the Bible has to say about how to raise our kids. We're going to talk a lot more about that in 2018 as well. Uh, we talked about how men were designed to be the spiritual thermostats of their family. And we looked at, at how in order for us men to lead our families well, that leading well starts with loving well. And we, we looked at the book of Ephesians and all that God has to say about how men are designed and created to, to lead their families and, and what that looks like inside the home of being a, a man worth being followed by your family. We talked about all of those things in the family series. And then we moved on to, to one, of my, one of my favorite. We do these series pretty often, actually. About once a year we do a, um, a series with something along these lines. But God never said that. And we looked at a lot of the misconceptions that people have uh, about things that they think God maybe said. Things like this. Um, God just wants me to be happy. No, he doesn't. No, no, he doesn't. God cares way more about your obedience than he does your happiness. And that... That if I were to wake up on any given day and be unhappy, that means that God has failed me if all God wants to do is make me happy. When I am unhappy, God has failed. And we know that God never changes, so he can't fail. God, God doesn't just want us happy. God wants us to be obedient. Um, this is one of my favorites. God will never give me more than I can handle. That's not true. God never said that. God will consistently give you more than you can handle because that's how he teaches you to depend on him instead of depending on yourself. If God would never give you more than you can handle, then you don't need God. And God wants to be needed. We also learned that oh, um, it doesn't matter what you do because God always forgives you. God does always forgive, but we said that, that life is not trying to see what we can get away with because we know that God will forgive us. But that as a Christ follower, the, the design of our lives is to live our lives in response to the gospel. That because God has given his son so graciously and freely and mercifully to us, that we now live in response to that. So it's not about what I can get away with, but what I can do to honor the one who gave his son for me. I'm talking really fast up here. We, we did 11 series in, in 2017. I'm trying to get through all of them. So just bear with me. Uh, the, the, the last message in that series, we, we learned that um, it does matter what you believe, that, that the truth, that it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're sincere, that that's, that's not true either. That you, we, we learned that you belong to what you believe. And Jesus said that this is how people will know that they're my, my disciples, by how they love one another. We looked at that scripture together. And that how what you believe determines what you do, therefore you belong to what you believe. We said that um, you can choose what you believe, you just don't get to choose whether or not it's true. You guys remember that? That, that, that we, can, we can believe anything you want to believe. You, you, get to, you get to believe it, that's on you. You just don't get to decide whether or not it's right. Because there is one truth and there's one thing that is true and one thing that is right. We moved from the God Never Said That series into, I think what was a lot of your favorite series, we, um, I want a new marriage. You guys remember this? We talked about the, the difference between expectations and desires. We had the big I on stage, and we said that, that a marriage based on expectations creates a debt and debtor relationship because another way of communicating an expectation is to say that you owe me. That's an expectation, right? When, someone, when you expect something, that something is owed to you. 
And that when you create a debt-debtor relationship in your marriage, you create a marriage that is completely void of all intimacy and romance. Because, come on, how many of you are in love with Visa? How many of you are loved back by Visa? Why? Because that's a debt-debtor relationship. When's the last time you got a love letter from your power company? Right? That's, that's a debt-debtor relationship. You pay for a service that they provide. That's, 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 that's expectation. We learned in that series also that, um, that, that sex is more than physical, that it's not just a physical thing, that it has a deeper sense, that it, it connects to the deepest parts of your soul. And then a reason that so many of us can't experience intimacy in marriage is because there's been some damage done to that part of our relationship, and whether it was prior to our marriage or after. And then we, I, made a, I made a lot of friends at the end of that series, um, all of our divorced folks here. I made, I made friends with all of y'all because I told you that your divorce was probably not, not honoring to God. Remember that? Remember how all y'all loved me and I got all these great messages from divorced people? They're like, wow, thank you so much for telling us that God hated that we did that. Like, remember that? That was fun. But we learned that, that, that marriage belongs to God and that divorce belongs to man and that man cannot unwind what God has made one. You guys remember that talk? Yeah, still tense, I know. I'm sorry. I, I, I had to bring it up again because that's what we're doing today. Still tense, but still true because you know what? You don't get to decide what's true. You only get to decide what you believe. See, we, it all ties together in the end because it all comes out of this thing. It's funny. It's, it's all here. And then we talked about the value. After that, we moved into our series called Better Together. We talked about the value of living life in groups. And we, we push and push and push and push. And you guys know this. We talk about our connect groups all the time. But we learned a few things from this series. We learned that if you show me your friends, I can show you your future. That who you hang around with matters. And if you're not living life in biblical community with other people who are trying to breathe good and godly principles into your life, that you're going to find you're going to find plenty of people that want to breathe other things into your life. And if you're not in a connect group, you absolutely need to be in a connect group. They are the best part of what makes Fusion City, Fusion City. If all you do is attend on a weekend, and for those of you who are new with us today, if you're planning on coming back, and I hope that you will because this is totally not a standard sermon. I haven't even read a verse of scripture. But if you're going to be part of Fusion City Church, here's what you got to know. That our church is made up of connect groups. We gather here on the weekends, but the, the best part of Fusion City, the most complete part of Fusion City Church happens in our groups. That is where we grow together in our relationship with Christ. That's where we make friends. We've talked oftentimes about how circles are better than rows. And today you're sitting in rows and there's only one person talking and then there's not a lot of Q&A, not a lot of back and forth, not a lot of, well, hey, I don't understand that. Like if you don't understand it, you just got to hope I explain it better because I'm not going to stop talking, Right. But in connect groups, you get a chance to ask questions and to figure stuff out together. So we talked about how, how it matters who we spend our time with. And then we looked uh, the second week of that at something called the Jahari window. And we said that there are four aspects of our life that all require somebody else speaking into our life. There's the public, there's the public version of us that everybody gets to see and sometimes we need a little help fixing the public version of us. We learned that there was a private version of us, things that we know about ourselves that nobody else knows. And you need somebody that knows your deepest, darkest secrets because sin grows best in the dark. We talked about that. We talked about in, in the third section of that, we talked about how there's a part, there are things that you cannot see about you that other people can, right? We've all been around those families and you can see it, but they can't, right? You've been, you've been around that person and they can't figure out why they can't get a date, but you know good and well why they can't get a date. 
because there's something that you can see that they can't and you need somebody that has enough relational capital with you to be able to speak into your life and tell you the things that you can't see about you. And then we learned that there's a fourth part. That's the part that I can't see and that you can't see. It's the greatest potential inside of us that only God can see. And that the way for us to fully develop the potential that is within us is to allow somebody else to come alongside us to help us figure out this walk with Christ together. That we get better together, that we can more completely follow Christ when we've got somebody else beside of us keeping us in line and helping us when we fall short and helping them when they fall short. That life is better lived in groups because circles are better than rows. Yeah, we can clap a little bit for connect groups. I'm okay with that. We can clap for groups. We still got three series to go though, so I'm gonna keep moving, all right? So then we, we got to October. And in October, we, we talked about these mind monsters, these things that, that, that kind of crawl into to our space without us even realizing. We talked about how so many things happen before you know it. We talked about pride and how pride at its essence is com- competition, that pride always sets us above or below somebody else when God sees us all on the same ground. And we talked about how to eradicate that from our lives, how to get rid of the competitive, competitiveness in us that separates us from us and distances us from our Heavenly Father. Because when we think we've got it all figured out, when we're very prideful, then what do we need God for? We talked about anger. And we, we, we taught ourselves to ask the question, that is my anger is it of the spirit or is it of self? Am I, am I angry because this is something that offends God or am I angry because I'm not getting my way? And we learn from scripture how to tell the difference. We talked about addictions and how to overcome those, how to have a plan to get out of, addiction, out of addictions and how to get God's help with that. We talked about uh, control. And again, I made a lot of friends because I told you that if you have an overwhelming sense of needing to be in control, that our desire to be in control demonstrates how much of us we've yet to surrender to God. And that when we are, the more controlling we are, the less we are surrendered to him. And then we got to Thanksgiving. We did this big collaborative thing with so many other churches where we got together and we all taught some of the similar things. But we talked about the things that steal away our Thanksgiving in a series called Who Stole My Thanksgiving. We talked about comparison. How the, the, the compare myself to other people either sets me, again, above or below them. And in doing so, exalts me instead of exalting God. We talked about entitlement. How when we feel entitled to something, you remember generosity unlocking something in us that we can't, that nothing else can unlock, that when you feel entitled to something, you'll never be generous with it when you feel like it's yours. You'll never be generous with the things that you feel entitled to, keeping that thing that only generosity can unlock locked up. That entitlement steals away our ability to be grateful. We talked about negativity, how we just kind of encounter some of these people that are just kind of always negative. And that as the Christian, I'm not saying that you have to be optimistic, but here's what I am saying. That when we do feel optimism and when we feel good about life, that I am not optimistic based on how I feel, but I'm optimistic based on what God says. I said something in that series that um, the counselor that comes to our church hates that I say, but I say it all the time, that you can't help how you feel. She would argue that you can't help that you feel. That's semantics to me. But here's the truth. You can't help how you feel. It just doesn't make you right. Right? You can, how many of you ever felt anything and been wrong? How many of you didn't marry the first person you told you loved? Right? Feelings can be wrong. You can't help how you feel. It just doesn't make it right. 
So we have to learn not to trust our feelings, but trust what God says. Your feelings will lie to you, but God never will. We talked about busyness. One of these things that steals away our, our Thanksgiving, that, that we feel so overwhelmed by our schedule that we can't seem to get enough day into our day. That in that overwhelming feeling of being too busy, that we, 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 we can't, there's no space in there for our gratitude. And we talked about not leaving God out of our rest, right? That Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burdened, right? Busy, come to me, all who are busy and burdened and overwhelmed. And what? I will give you Rest, that the cure to busyness isn't a better schedule. The cure to your busyness is Jesus. And we said that all of us make choices with how we spend our time. That, that you will do what you choose to do. Nothing that you do is out of your control. You have time. You will always have time for what you choose to have time for. And then we got to Christmas. And we looked at, at two accounts in Scripture, the, the, the interactions of the angel with Mary and the interactions of the angels with her betrothed fiancé, Joseph. And with Mary, we learned that it's easy for us to be afraid of what God is asking us to do. That, that God's interruptions are most often inconvenient. That when God interrupts our life with something, that it's, it's, never, it's never convenient. It's never like, oh, I've got plenty of time for this, God, Right? However, God's interruptions are always an invitation to something better, something that we can't see or that we haven't seen. God's interruptions, while inconvenient, are always invitations into something better. And then in looking at Joseph, we learned that, that pleasing God often means disappointing people and that we can't be afraid of what people will think. And that's exactly where Joseph stood, having to make a decision to, con to continue in his relationship with Mary and marry her. That he had to, he had to, to forget about what people thought. And we, we said in that, in that message that the quickest way to forget what God thinks about you is to become obsessed with what other people think about you. The good news is that the opposite is exactly true as well that the quickest way to forget what people think about you is to become obsessed with what God thinks about you. And if you want to overcome that feeling of being worried about what people will think, just become obsessed with what God thinks about you because God thinks you're awesome. He thinks you're a sinner. He thinks you make a lot of mistakes, but he loved you enough to give his son for you. And if that's not thinking you're awesome, then I don't know what is. So that was our 2017 in a nutshell. We learned a lot. We talked through a lot. And if you were here for any or, or most of that, here's what you got to know. And the best is yet to come. We, we, we went away a couple of weeks ago as a staff and, and planned out all of the, the, the messages in the series for 2018. And here's, here's what you got to do. Here's what you got to do. If you're here today, because this is the, the Sunday after Christmas is typically one of the lowest attended Sundays of the year. So if you're here, Congratulations. You're, 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 already, you're already above average, all right? But here's how you capitalize on it. doesn't, doesn't do you any good to, to, to be above average if you're just going like, to follow the crowd later. All right, so here's what you got to do. I want you to make plans to be here for at least, at least, at the very least. I want you to be here every week in 2018. 
But at the very least, for the next three weeks, right, every year, I told you, every year we start off with a theme. I think I'm more excited about 2018 than I have been any year so far in the existence of of Fusion City Church. Because I believe that that tremendous amounts of of growth spiritually are going to happen inside of, not inside of here, but collectively us as a whole. I think there's going to be better things happening in 2018 than we've ever seen in the existence of Fusion City Church. And you're going to want to be a part of that. Now, next week, we're going to start talking about that. And for the next three weeks, we're going to talk about what that looks like and how it's accomplished. The next three weeks are crucial to to your spiritual growth, I believe, in 2018. So please make plans to be here with us and bring somebody with you. Bring somebody. 2018 is going to be a great year for our church. We want to get it started off right, but... But you got to be here to participate in it if you want the benefits of it. All right, the podcast isn't the podcast is great. It's just not the same. We're gonna need you to be here for the next three weeks. I'm super excited about what God is gonna do in this place in 2018. We we said at the onset today, like I, I don't know what 2017 looked like for you. I don't know if it was a year filled with regret and remorse, or if you're really hoping that 2018 is a duplication of 2017. But here's what, I, here's what I know, is that as we continue to move from where God has us, or from where we are to where God would have us to be, as we continue to move, as we continue to surrender more, to lay down our preferences more, to, to, to disregard our feelings more for the truth of God's word, as we continue to do that, we're only going to experience more and more and more of the abundant life that Jesus talked about in John 10, 10. Where he said that the enemy, you know, that Satan guy, devil, Lucifer, all those names that he goes by, that he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus said, but I've come that they may have life and that they may have it abundantly. And that doesn't mean that we get everything that's on our wish list. And that doesn't mean that that God blesses us with hundreds of thousands of dollars. It doesn't mean any of that stuff. What it does mean is that there is a life that God wants to lead us into that is available through following his son, Jesus, that is better than the life that we currently have. And again, that doesn't matter whether you've been following Christ for a minute or a month. That there's, there's a better, more abundant life for you that God would have you to live. And it's possible. And you might think, man, I just don't know how it can get any better than it is right now. Well, Jesus says that that abundant life that, is, that exceeds anything we could ask or imagine. Here's what that means. You can't even imagine. Got it? Like you could, like you, let me, let me, let me over explain for just a moment. That means that in your brain, regardless of how smart you are, because some of y'all are smart, then there's the rest of us. Regardless of how smart you are, your brain can't even come up with Hollywood couldn't produce a picture of how great your life could be. But God can. He knows what that looks like for you, and he wants to take you there. So, So our movement from where we are to where God would have us to be. Man, I can't stop because, all right, well, movement was 2017. No, no, no. Movement is lifelong. So here's what I ask, that in, that in 2018 that you would move with us still. We'll have a different theme. But don't stop moving. 
2018 can be the best year yet, regardless of how great or how horrible 2017 and 16 and 15 and all those were. The best really is yet to come. So here's what I want to do. Let me pray for us, and we'll ask God to inspire, bless, motivate, and lead us in 2018. Would you pray with me? Father, today we've, we've looked back at a lot of the things that, that we learned together in 2017. And, and God, some of these lessons were, were learned hard. These, these were hard concepts to embrace and hard things to, to adhere ourselves to. But God, for every step that we've taken in 2017, we pray that you've been honored, that you've been blessed by our decisions, God, to follow you, to move from where we were to work closer to where you would have us to be. And God, we know that that's a lifelong journey that isn't over yet. So Father, that we would ask even now that as we begin to look forward to this new year and embark on this new journey in, an, in, in a new year, that God, you would continue to lead and inspire and direct and control us. God, we, we wanna continue to lay down more of us and replace it with more of you. God, I, I know that it sounds like something that that people say, and maybe even more specifically something that a, that a pastor would say, but God, I really do believe that there are better things to come in 2018 than in any year in the past. And I believe that because God, you're gonna be in 2018 with us. And if we can just find ways to put ourselves more in contact with where you are, then God, this year can't help but be better than the last. So God, would you lead us? draw us, condition us, chip away anything in us, God, that would displease you. Help us, God, to make this next year better than any other because this will be the year that we more completely follow and trust you. We love you, Father. We thank you for your spirit that lives within us, that guides us daily to be more like your son, Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen.